Welcome to the Business of Experience. I'm your host, Rodney Hobbs. Thank you for joining me today in the podcast series that explores everything to do with experience. So um, well, it's nothing like our children just to uh, cut through very directly. My oh. children have no idea what I do, except my youngest always says, why do you talk so much on the phone? I think, um, you know, just looking at some of the comments that you made there, I, you know, I still think for me, and I think, you know, from a male perspective, I do think we identify a lot with our with our work. And I think that's not a good thing. I just think that's a generational thing for me being in my early 50s. I say that under my breath. But I think that there's that that model that a lot of us are somewhat trying to break out of, you know, get out of the the shadow of that, because I don't think everybody is as comfortable. I mean, I have a strong personality. I know that a lot of corporate environments really still are designed to knock your head off when you stick it up. And that is whether we want to call that that psychological safety um, and where some of that work has come from. For a lot of organizations, and I'm sure a lot of people, they know that it's not safe because it isn't. It's still political. The terrain is still treacherous. And we're still, to a large extent, operating that you went to school, you worked hard, you got your education, and you got that job. And that isn't what a lot of us know is the future, because the future is going to be far more uncertain and far more going to value adaptability and versatility in how you essentially kind of move more into the gig economy, even though there are some industries that that's very prevalent in. But I think all of us are going to need to understand that organizations are going to shift. And I think this, as we said before, this set of circumstances is probably going to shift some organizations a lot quicker to having a lot more of what would have been their workforce as not permanent. And that's going to bring many different facets into the construct of the way an organization is designed because we're still living, as we were discussing before, I think too much in this view of tradition. And like you said about leadership, it's a formula that's always worked. So we're going to keep applying it, but it doesn't always work. And, and for a lot of things, we keep looking backwards rather than embracing and looking forward. So trailing indicators all the time doesn't necessarily give us the best way to predict the future. And, and it's kind of something that's baked into a lot of people. Like I, I, I talk to a lot of organizations about that notion of benchmarking or, or trying to look at what's average, because that's what all of the reports tell you, what everyone else is doing. What if everybody tells you that blue's the color, but you decided orange was important? Are you going to change your decision because everybody's blue this year? And it's it, that's why we're stifling innovation because tradition is the an- antidote to innovation. And then enabling people. We keep talking about enabling people. And I'm fascinated by the idea that people turn up day one enabled. And just like our education systems it's, it's like we then go through this process to make sure that you're not enabled or we, you lose your creativity because you're asked to conform. And when you were talking through things, I was thinking of an example a couple of weeks ago about communication. And I was thinking of an example, and I just haven't yet kind of put it down on paper, but I think all of us have experienced scenarios where we've got a a WTF moment, right? Something really bad has gone on. And then you can fast forward to being in a board meeting or an executive meeting 
where someone's just given an update on what was a really bad thing. And it sounded amazing. And you wonder how it got from being what you know is the reality to this seemingly very highly polished piece of communication that doesn't give the executive or the leadership any real insight. Now, whether that's honesty or transparency or whatever label we can put to it, I think it's fascinating. We do have to take ownership of who we are. And I think that also goes, Janine, to the point that we've got to like who we are. And I think until we're comfortable with just acknowledging that, all right, you know, you've got a strong personality, you polarize some people, that's not all your problem. You've got to own it, right? I think you used some phrases in one of your videos about, you know, all the jiggly bits. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully I haven't got too many jiggly bits, but I think <laughs> it's a really important thing that we, in this time when maybe some of us have time, we need to reset and be comfortable with who we are and realign the compass is the way I think about it to what really is purposeful and meaning to us, to what we actually want to do. The old adage, do we live to work or work to live? And I think most of us have got it around the wrong way, but here's an opportunity to reset the compass and really think about what is important. Because I can tell you right now, as I'm sure many of our listeners listeners will empathize with, the most important thing is, is my family being safe and well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just want to pick up on a point you, you made there. There's, there's something really dangerous in complacency and being the same. And this is the other thing I think we're seeing if we look um, at it, you know, look out at the complexity of what's going on right now in that complacency and being the same, whilst it may drive that 1% growth in market share or uh, get that 1% growth in profit, sitting on your laurels and not exploring about what's coming because the world is moving so quickly, that's where we see businesses falling apart quicker than they ever did before. And even now in this environment that we're in, you know, you're seeing some incredible businesses just use their capability, use their strengths, and they're adapting to uh, ensure that they are going to market with the right product at the right time that is needed now. The complacency and the sameness, I think, and this is where I put in psychological safety, can be dangerous because we have to agitate to move forward, to ideate, to innovate, to collaborate. There has to be a level of slight agitation to unlock those ideas and sameness, complacency, comfort zone, just doing the same old thing doesn't allow that. And we're going to see the, the knock-on effect of, of that, I think, as we come out of this very much emergency phase that we're in right now. And the same is for ourselves, you know. We can, we can get really comfortable. And that's okay. For those people that want to stay comfortable, that's all good. But a lot of people that I talk to feel frustrated. They are curious. They're not quite sure what's next. They're getting this this almost anxiety about where am I moving? What am I doing? I'm I'm wanting to agitate. I'm wanting to move forward. And this is where this law one is so important. And as you said there in your summary about like yourself, own your strengths, accept your jiggly bits. Now, what is the impact you want to make? 
turn pro and let's go for it. No, exactly. And I think organizations now can seize this again as an opportunity to, I think, reevaluate what really their core mission and sort of purpose is that they want their workforce to align to. And I think that's how we build that engagement, uh, misused word, but sort of that engagement and that alignment, because then we can really look at how we deliver that experience, because that's the whole crux of the experience is how do we start understanding those moments that matter, but how do we demonstrate from a two-way perspective, from the employer to the employee and employee to the employer, how we exchange that alignment in those touch points which is fascinating and a great opportunity for people to, uh, you know, take this crisis to be innovative. And, you know, we know innovation is there. We just have stifled it, as we've said before, because we've not changed the way we think about things like risk. We haven't, we haven't applied enough logic to change. So if we keep using the same tried and tested notion, and I talk about the difference between the 20th century and the 21st century, you could say from going from a very predictable um, environment in the 20th century to the uncertainty that we all talked about from a digital disruption and the need to transform. But really, you know, the new norm is change. And some have been embracing that better than others. And what we need to do is not navigate via a map, which is what we were taught to do in most of our careers, but we need to now learn to navigate by a compass, pick a direction and not question whether it's right or wrong, but start heading in that direction and then have a far more iterative and haptic feedback to how we can do it. Now, some people might say, yeah, Rodney, you've just said agile. It's not about what methodology or process or tool you're using. It's the mindset that is the core that we need to shift. And that's where the shift has to happen so that we can allow everybody to be their best selves. You need to work on being your best self, but an organization needs to be able to know how to embrace when you bring your best self. You're enjoying another wonderful episode of The Business of Experience. I'm your host, Rodney Hobbs. And if you and your organization want to redesign work and drive experience, please reach out at rodneyhobbs.com. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't so how, agree do more we harness, how do we harness your energy, law number two? Yeah, so, so this is the natural follow-on from me. So for me, so you can own your character, you can own yourself, you can own your goals, your career, and, and actually be clear on your expertise. But if you're not actually bringing, if you're not looking after the body that is bringing that awesomeness to work, then we're only half performing. And again, we're seeing evidence of people not harnessing their energy in the world right now. We've got uh, crazy stats around depression and mental health, the amount of burnout that's happening as individuals and as teens. Um, we are working 24-7, we are working across global time zones, and people are literally becoming the robots that we are worrying about. And for me, harnessing your energy is how do you move from being in survival, time-poor mode to a place where you are time-rich to be able to think, to be able to explore, to be able to make sense of all of the data around. 
and to a place where you're actually thriving. And to me, that is what harnessing your energy is all about. And in the book, I break it up into three key areas. One is the, the place of stamina. So essentially, how, how do you keep going? How do you make sure that you are not uh, surviving on empty, that you are actually making sure you're attaching that proverbial oxygen mask to yourself first? How do you make sure that you are saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things? So stamina is all about making sure that you are the machine that can run this marathon of your dreams. The second facet is, is the behaviors that you are adopting. And this, this book isn't about high performance habits. There's a whole stack of incredible thought leaders in that space. But what I do talk about in this book is that this is a game of inches that we are playing, that it is about how do you ensure that you are always in the green zone of performance versus the red zone of survival, of procrastination, of deflecting ownership. And the final uh, part of um, harnessing your um, your energy is your mindset. I mean, you've, you've spoken about this a few times during this, this interview of, you know, how do you turn from a, from a, I can't do this, I am too tired, this is impossible, it's everybody else's fault, to a place of I can and I will. And so harnessing your energy is the sum of having that positive growth mindset it's making sure that you have the stamina to every single day get up and do the work that you have been put on this planet to do. And then finally, that you are taking ownership of the right habits and behaviors that will set you up personally for success. No, that's great. And I think that uh, while we're now all working in this kind of isolation perspective, I think there's a wealth of really great insights around how we can establish those types of routines and habits and behaviors to really start recharging ourselves. I know it's important, you know, I'm probably one of the worst offenders in the sense of how, you know, I look at my phone when I first wake up and nearly the last thing I do before I go to bed. And I think that all of us need to challenge, you know, the way that we've allowed ourselves to work to how we can enable ourselves to connect to the things that are important and focus. And, you know, we were talking about meetings and there's a lot of people that live in back-to-back, back-to-back meetings, endless video conferences now. And I think largely, you know, I'm fascinated by that need of, of this gathering nature when we all know that a lot of these meetings are really not productive. Uh, they're not environments that are serving any particular purpose. And this is the time to challenge it. This is the time to say, why are we having the meeting? Can this be addressed in a different uh, channel? And and how can we learn to focus on the things that we need to focus on or want to focus on? And those two things are very different. I like two little quotes that I've come across in my travels. One was a, a fantastic video series that Microsoft did on the future of work. And one of the directors of Visioning was talking about being in the UK and said, when did work become work? When was the goal of work to get on top of my inbox? I'm not even doing the real work. And I think that's fascinating how many people probably feel the same way. And also just the fact that, you know, the most valuable thing that we all have is time. And so we need to value that time and we need to create that etiquette and push back and reestablish that expectation, which was a conversation I had with one of my other guests, Jane Piper, from a digital well-being perspective so that we can be 
energized and enable, enable ourselves to focus correctly on what we need to focus on. So, Janine, let's crack, let's crack on with law three because I think we're going well over time, which is how good this conversation is. And both of us, I think, win the award of talking under wet cement with a mouthful of marbles. <laughs> so law three um, is how do you connect with intent? How are you going to make sure you're surrounded by the right people that are going to help you step forward personally and professionally? Because the reality is, we are surrounded by people that are trying to squash our dreams. Uh, we are surrounded by significant amount of judgment from other people. And we are also, too many of us, starting to feel lonely, which is why I'm questioning right now. You know, we talk about increased connection on the back of COVID-19. But actually, I think um, the loneliness is, is the biggest concern. And uh, the levels of lo loneliness out there are just on the increase. So Law 3 brings together essentially a lot of the work in my other two books. So in here, I talk about the need to engage and how we can engage better and deeper and build more transformational connections versus the transactional liking and business card swapping, but actually go deep and ask people for their opinion and get curious about their diversity of thought and opinion and how that can support decision-making and innovation. It's about the next facet within here is about the people you're surrounding yourself with, which is, you know, in depth it talks to um so in summary, it talks to the depth that's in It's Who You Know, my second book. But essentially, I'm talking about who is in your inner circle, who are the key people within your network that you are surrounding yourself with to help you succeed into the long term. And the final part of this is working together. So the skills of collaboration. And what does collaboration really mean? Because it's certainly not let's all work together, um, all, you know, Lego style. It's, it's not about sticking people in a room and getting them working on a project. Collaboration is hard work. Collaboration um, actually, if you are faking it till you make it, if you are not bringing your full self to the project that you're working on, collaboration will never work because we are always hiding an idea, a part of ourselves, and our opinion. So that's really the essence of, of Law 3, of connecting with intent through the skills of engagement, uh, the power of the network around you, and the opportunity that does exist when we collaborate in the right way. And I like one of the things that you shared in one of your other videos, which was about, because I think you're right, there's a lot of sort of, sort of superficialness uh, uh, to the way we connect and network. And I think that I like the saying that, you know, your mind works best like a parachute when it's open. And I think when it comes to connecting and and sort of interacting, it's really about you being to put, able to put yourself in a position of vulnerability, but it's to be able to share. And that's the bit that I liked when you said that. And for many people that have worked with me, I, I share a story back when I used to play a professional sport and uh, be quite egotistical about where I sat in that. And I, I learned a lesson, but I didn't learn the lesson at the time. I remember reflecting on walking to the very back of this complex where we were we were practicing and we all practiced up near the clubhouse to be seen and, and with the right people and play with the people that were the right people to play with. And one of the, the best tennis players at the time was way down the back of the complex playing with someone that we didn't think was very good. And I remember catching up with him just in between the courts and I asked him, 
why why do you do that? Why are you wasting your time playing with that particular person? And he, he gave an answer which was along the lines of if as long as the ball comes back, I have an opportunity to hit the shot that I want to hit. And at the time, I didn't think anything more of that. But many, many years later, when my career was just wrapping up overseas and I had some more time to reflect, I, I reflected on the fact that at that time of my life, I wasn't open to understand where the choice was. And it taught me that as long as I can be open and, and be in the position, you can learn something from everyone. And I think that's been an invaluable lesson for me because you can truly, everybody has something to offer you as long as I said before, your mind and your, your posture is, is like a parachute. It's, it's, it works best when it's open. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once you get out of your own way and your attention out, it's phenomenal what comes your way. But so many of us are too worried about ourselves that we're not actually hearing what's being said. We're not seeing the opportunity that's right in front of us and our minds aren't open to exploring possibility. So let's head on to the last law, I think, law four. Law four. So to me, how can you possibly lead until you are really clear on who you're bringing to leadership, on uh, making sure your behaviours and the way you're looking after yourself is at its prime, and how can you lead when you're not surrounded by the right people? So this, to me, is why I'm totally sort of upending the you know seven steps to effective leadership type of scenario and going, you can't do any of that until you actually lead yourself first. And this talks to a lot of, uh, this law talks to on questions and challenges, what leadership means moving forward. Leadership is a practice. If there is not, you don't, there's no end game in leadership. It's the daily practice and the daily reflection of what has worked and hasn't worked. It's a willingness to constantly question yourself and evolve yourself. Ultimately, it's about meeting people where they're at and helping them move with you in the direction that you need to take. And as we're currently experiencing the world right now, it isn't as simple as A needs to get to B and we will get there. It is A via an absolutely meandering and zigzagging approach, a journey that probably won't get you to B and you're lucky if you get to C. So leadership is challenging, right? It's not about just issuing uh, the rules. True leadership, the building of trust between people, of creating fellowship to drive change, to me it takes time and can't be rushed. So I talk in here about what I believe leadership is about, that it's about having the courage to take one step forward every single day. It's about accepting other people and replacing judgment with a compassion and a curiosity about where people are coming from, about where their opinion is and what it could mean. And to me, it's about an absolute willingness to teach always every single day to develop the greatness in others. If you can help people feel safe, trusted and respected, they're able to shape the future of their work and the business because they're engaged and motivated to do great work together. So leading is one of the key parts of this. The second piece is how do you magnify the potential of people around you? And to me, this is what leadership 
one of the key lessons of leadership. Our role is to develop and unleash the brilliance in others so that they're able to surpass their dreams and become what they want to become too. Only when we are elevating and amplifying the performance of everyone around us do we all collectively um, achieve the success, the ideas, the innovations, the opportunities that are around. If we are quashing talent, if we are sticking it in a box, if we are chopping people off at the knees, if we're not listening to feedback, if we are saying that's not good enough, that's not how we do it, then we're never going to evolve and change. And the final part of this law is making sure that you are continuously um, and continually having an intention towards learning and growing and accelerating the mastery of yourself. The leading a life of influence is about understanding that at every stage of life um, and change that we have to equally morph and evolve. And we're seeing it now more than ever, this need to question ourselves, to get curious, to learn, to not have the answers, to be prepared to fail, uh, and to hope that at the end of it, we all become better. So um, that really is, is, is the essence of magnifying your influence, of making sure that you as an individual are leading consistently versus being inconsistent and hiding your ideas. It's about uh, leading, magnifying, and accelerating your continuous growth um, as the individual that you are in terms of the work that you are doing and the influence that you have personally and professionally. Well, there were some very inspiring words there. And I think at this time, you know, this is a team sport and we are definitely all in this together. And and I think it's been a, an absolute ple- pleasure today, Janine, to have the opportunity for you to share your insights and to take us through those wonderful examples in the four laws. You're enjoying another wonderful episode of the business of experience. I'm your host, Rodney Hobbs. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please ensure you subscribe, like, and share. I suppose two final things for us to close off the show today. Firstly, can you maybe offer the listeners one thing that they can take away, one thing that they could take away from today's show and think about or start or do that will help them start moving towards this? Um, For me, it's understanding that brilliance doesn't magically appear. It does require constant work. And that as we evolve through life, there'll be some things you will be better at. There'll be one of the laws that you'll be stronger at. And there will always be one that you can work on. But essentially, in your business and in yourself lies that brilliance that will set you apart from the competition, that will give you the edge, that will guarantee your next growth plan. And you do have all that you need, all your experiences up to now, all the highs and lows, all the wins and the losses, all the high fives and the failures, some of which I've got no doubt that many of us would like to hide. All of it has got you here. And it's just up to you to decide Um, in this new world that we're learning to live in, where actually what choice do we have but to become a better version of ourselves? That actually it's a choice. Do you want to stay the same? Um, Are you sitting in that place of complacency? Or are you 
Do you know that you have got more to give, that you have got more ideas, more innovation, uh, more opportunities, that, that actually you've got more in you that you want to want to give out there? And my message really is you, you are brilliant. Your possibilities are exciting. And I just want you to unlock it. I just want you to unleash it because your family need it, your team need it, your organizations need it. In fact, you know, we all as a globe need all of us to bring our best selves to everything that we do now. And it's only that collective spirit and effort that is going to unlock uh, the brilliance collectively. And we are all undertaking exceptional endeavors. And the only way we can get there is to actually be the best that we can be. Well, hopefully on that, we've inspired everyone to have a think about that. And that's everyone's homework to really just answer that question for yourself. And hopefully in doing that, you know, we can all move forward together. Janine, again, it's been an absolute pleasure. How do people find you, connect with you? What are the best ways and places they can go? I'm on all the uh, social media platforms, but best probably find me on LinkedIn, Janine Garner, um, or alternatively via janinegarner.com.au. Rodney, I just want to also thank you for this opportunity. Um, It does take a level of personal courage and bravery to share with the world your own opinions and to create this platform. And so this to me is a classic example of you unleashing your brilliance with the world and your passion for experience and in doing this unlock that opportunity for others so thank you for all the work that you're doing Rodney. No thank you very much and look it was a simple idea to say that we were as people in jobs and roles that we do that we have these engaging conversations and I thought well why can't we just share those more broadly and really do appreciate the investment of your time and I suppose now that I've used the word time it it comes to the end of the show and like to thank everybody again for being part of another episode of the Business of Experience. And please like, subscribe and share so that more people can get to understand some of these insights and thoughtful uh, commentary that our guests provide. So on that note, we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you very much, Janine.